Welcome, neighbors, to another episode of the Praise and Brochure podcast, where two deconstructed Christians deconstruct praise and worship music as well as other forms of Christian and secular media. As former praise and worship musicians, we will do our best to bring you lighthearted, informative, and hopefully insightful conversation to you each week. My name is Luke. I'm coming at you from Florida, and I'm joined by my best friend, CJ, Hello. who is coming at you from Louisiana. So, CJ, how's your walk? It's been pretty good. Uh, last week, I got laryngitis, so I sounded like an 87-year-old woman that smoked four packs of cigarettes her whole life. But everything's good now. I think my voice is just about 100%. So if it does crack during the podcast, I'll call myself out. We're probably used to We'll have a good laugh. Music. Yeah, it's happened before. So <laughs> how about you, man? What's been going on? Well, I really wanted to talk about ghosts, but I th- the... the <laughs> What? There's there's more um, pressing matters that I think we need to talk about on the podcast. And that's, um, you know, we, we tend to use a lot of church jargon on the show. And I know that uh, some of our listeners aren't involved in the church, never have been, and may not quite get some of the, the things that we're talking about. Like, for example, let's start with, like we do each week, with the segment, How's Your Walk? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from, CJ? That that Why did we pick that as like a wordplay? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines walk <laughs> as... No, just kidding. The um, So, that How's Your Walk was a, is a big phrase in the evangelical, evangelical church, and it was just kind of a way for people to check in with each other because a lot of times in church, especially if you go to maybe a bigger church and you don't have uh, a, a core group or a clique at the church, when people will see you on Sunday or on Wednesday, they'll always ask you, how's your walk? How, how are things going? How, you know, are you praying? Are you doing your devotional every day, reading your Bible, being a, a, a good neighbor, those types of things. So that's where how's your walk comes from. Yeah. How's your walk with the Lord? Right. You know, and right. That's, that was kind of the, we standard. kind of, you know, reformulated it for our purposes, but yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one thing that we actually haven't talked about, and we mention it every episode in the intro, is deconstruction. You know, so for me, I I went through this process before I even knew there was a word for it, where there was just becoming more questions than you know reliable answers to a lot of the things that I was taught about God and the Bible and Christianity, and so I just started like leaning into those things that didn't make sense instead of trying to deny them and like, well, let me actually try to find the truth. You know, there's, there can't be anything wrong with actually trying to find what it's true for me. And, but that just meant steadily dismantling everything. For me, it started with prayer. Prayer just started to not make sense at all. And then once I took that apart, it, everything fell apart to, to go on further than that. A lot of people stop at deconstruction. They Mm -hmm. just say to hell with the church. And, um, but there's another side of that called reconstruction where you can actually start to find meaning in those things that you had a different understanding of before, and now you're reinterpreting them with new information, historical context, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you another couple of ones that see it to see if you can tell me what they mean. Uh, what about Canon? <laughs> so Canon is in a general sense, if we're talking about the Bible, that's the books of the Bible and their order as stipulated in the Council of Nicaea, um, which was this council in the 300s AD where all of the big theologians and apologists of the church got together and decided which books belonged in a one-volume style Bible and which did not belong. So you have some of the Gnostic Gospels or the, uh, her- you know, quote-unquote heretical 
um, gospels and books that they excluded. The yeah, the Apocrypha is a good example of, uh, and I don't know a lot of the history of the Apocrypha, but obviously the Pro- Protestants don't use the Apocrypha. Uh, whereas Catholics do reference the uh, Apocrypha. But at any rate, yeah, canon is just the term we would use to describe the books of the Bible and where they came, where that came from. Uh, eschatology. It's not something that we've actually said before on the podcast. No, think, no, but, but it might, it'll probably come we've up. We've definitely talked about the heat death of the universe on the podcast. So, uh, es- oh, esch- you have a different, des- you have a different des- definition for eschatology, I think. Well, eschaton is the uh, the end times. Oh, well, this Bible website that I found this definition of, <laughs> it does not... Anyway, what, what, what were you going to say? say? Sorry, I cut you off. It says, a theological term to describe the study of past events. Where did you get this from? Oh, goodness. Uh, Victorious.org. <laughs> All right, you got to get some more reliable sources. <laughs> By Dr. Dale A. Robbins. This was an article of... Church terms. Oh, yeah, the doctor. <laughs> well, eschaton is a Greek word that means like the end, the end of the world, the what what's going to happen with God and Oh, Jesus sorry, I misread come. that. The study of last events, not past events. Wow, <laughs> that makes sense now. <laughs> it's amazing how one letter could change a word, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. My brain betrayed me. Oh, so you know we were we were both right. We just it took us a little while to get there, man. Okay, what what's the what's there's like there's a name a word for like how people study the Bible is that um, I know there's like exegesis and eisegesis, but that's interpretation. You talking hermeneutics? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that would just be yeah the interpretation d- different tiers of interpretation, different forms of interpretation, and then you mentioned exegesis and eisegesis. Those just basically mean. Uh, reading, getting out of the text what the text is actually saying, hence exegesis versus eisegesis would be the reverse of that, where you're reading into the text something that you want to find or a way that you want to interpret it, even if the text isn't saying that specifically or it wasn't the original intention of the author or authors. Yeah, and and obviously I think we both agree that exegesis is the you know, the better interpretation because you're looking at the author's intent versus what you want to see in the text. Right. Correct. Yeah. I think there's a time and well, place for eisegesis. I think that it that goes, eisegesis goes a long way with uh, application, right? Modern, modern day application, ap- applying it oh, to true. your life today. I hadn't thought about it like that. You know, but, uh, but I, th- I still think a lot of people would say that that's not necessarily eisegesis as long as the way that you are it's applying it, application. Yeah, yeah. The way you're applying it is from the, the original intent of the, of the uh, scripture itself. So, yeah, I mean, there's just some things that I wanted to talk about because I, you know, was trying to write out the intro from memory and realized, Oh, maybe people don't know what these terms mean and why mm-hmm. we say them every week. Because it, it started with, it, you know, I was the line, uh, we're two deconstructed best friends, and it sounds like our friendship is falling apart. <laughs> so, so I was like, that's why I changed it to deconstructed Christians. But I still I still put in there that you're my best friend, CJ. Yeah, but you didn't say it. I did. Oh, I didn't hear it. I said I'm, I said I'm joined by my best friend, CJ. <laughs> we're, we're deconstructed best oh. friends. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, 
we're still trying to figure shit out. <laughs> we're, we're, recon- we're in reconstruction, though. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all I had to, to. That's all I really wanted to talk about. Well, we'll I will, we'll talk about ghosts next time, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been wanting to talk about ghosts for a long time, but I I don't want to be the guy that just says, "Hey, I want to talk about ghosts right now." <laughs> And we've had late night conversations talking about ghosts, so uh, I definitely um, want to put that on the podcast. But it just it doesn't ever come up organically in conversations out in the wild in public. I'm gonna, so like, ugh. I'm going to make a note to ask you about ghosts next week. I I'm just going to shoehorn it into the podcast soon. <laughs> All right, moving right along to our first music segment of the week. It's our Christian or praise and worship song. It was Luke's turn this week to bring a Christian or praise and worship song. So, Luke, what did you bring for us? And you're already laughing. I'm so sorry, CJ. Oh, no. Um, Okay, so the last couple of praise and worship songs that we had have been heavier discussions. Uh, One with uh, Jeremy Camp where it was, um, you know, his backstory with his, you know, his wife former wife, just, you know, late wife. I'll get it right. Uh, and what was, the last she, what was one, she late for? <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, yeah. And then last week's episode was where we got really like intellectual and, you know, heavy into the differences between praise and worship. So I wanted to just do a silly fun one that I don't know how much I'm going to have to say about it, but I really, the, the main reason why I picked this song is because I want it on the Praise and Broship playlist on Spotify. Check that out uh, if you're interested. All of the songs that we have reviewed so far are going to be on that, and we're going to continue to add to that. And I wanted this song to be on it. I'm actually on that playlist right now. This is Unbelievable by Thousand Foot Crutch. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, I see why you reacted that way. So, yep. Okay. All right. Well, there's ain't nothing to it but to do it. <laughs> We're gonna listen to <laughs> "Unbelievable" by Thousand Foot Crutch. You guys will do the same, and uh, we'll meet you guys back here in just a few. Welcome back, neighbors. We just listened to. Unbelievable by a Thousand Foot Crutch. Hmm. CJ, what are your uh, first impressions? I really tried to forget that this song existed. <laughs> so uh, I'm a little bit upset with you because I, <laughs> I, well, cause I forgot that this song existed. I <laughs> fulfilled my goal, which was to forget that it existed. Um, and uh, you've brought it back. And... I just, I don't like it, man. It's, (laughs) but it's fun, right? Because we're going to have a lot of fun with this in the next few minutes. So, but yeah, I kind of still like it. (laughs) It's, it is, it's, it's so bad that it's good. It's a weird, it's, it is a weird. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that, but uh, real quick, what's the word? Okay, well, this is going to be the highest in our Christian song segment, probably, probably ever. Probably ever, yeah. Um, I'm going to... This is tough. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to reference this. Um, well, there went my voice. Um, I'm going to say 147. Ooh, low. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Two twelve. Wow. Yeah. That's surprising. It's a wordy one. I mean, there are three verses. I guess I wasn't really thinking. And it's about and them. it's a rap song too. Like it, it's gonna, and it's a it's a it's a full one. Like I mean, there's a lot. There's a it's very wordy. What's the what's the total word count? Uh, did, you, did you write th- that? Three ninety one. So two twelve three ninety one. That's a pretty good ratio. That's um that's impressive. Uh, I will say that that is impressive. That because a lot of times, and we'll actually talk about this in the secular song segment, but. A lot of times with uh, Christian praise and worship songs, they have that pop structure. And so the unique word count, or let me, I guess I should phrase it this way. The total word count is usually, it can be five, six, seven times more than the unique word count because it's so repetitive mm-hmm. and there aren't, there isn't a ton of substance in the song itself, which is not necessarily a knock on it. It's just a, a phenomenon that you see where the total word count tends to be significantly higher uh than than the unique word count but yeah that's that's cool that's interesting so to get back to what we were saying i do still kind of hate and kind of love this song because i think a lot of it has to do with the original song that that the that thousand foot crutch took from which is um from by emf but of the same name uh unbelievable and what I found interesting about that song is I never actually looked at the lyrics before today. And you, you think, you know, you, you're unbelievable. Like, and it's the upbeat, happy kind of energy almost. It, it sounds fun. It sounds positive, but it's actually a negative song. He's talking about a hypocritical partner that like won't stop giving him shit. And it's like, oh, you tell me this one thing, but now you're telling me another thing. You, you say you want this. And when I give it to you, you don't like it. Like you're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more exasperated than, than praising. So I thought that was interesting. And yeah, the, the this song, man, it, I, I can't deny that I think it sounds good, but I think it has a lot to do with the original melody and tune. And the guy, I, I don't know. What do you think of his rap skills? I feel like they're, the, he's kind of all over the place and, and the lyrics are pretty nonsensical a lot, a lot of times. And the, the Christian aspects of it are kind of just forced in there. I think, but he he flows pretty well and he has some clever rhymes, even though they don't really make sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from a dude, well, we'll talk about it later, but uh, yeah, a John Doe up in his condo in Toronto. Like what, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean, man? That's a, it doesn't mean anything, but like, it still kind of sounds good. Like it's still somewhat clever. I mean, it, it just sounds like someone that, and listen, I can't. Rap. Yeah, maybe you're right. I, I could maybe, maybe, I could maybe, juvenile. I could maybe write a rap if I, you know, can toot my own horn. But I mean, the, it just sounds like he sat down and tried to figure out how to rhyme with it, it some. Sounds sounds kind of like a first draft when he got lucky. Yeah, I mean the uh, using the word octane, using the word. Yeah, that is so many of it. So much of it doesn't make sense, but it's but, like yeah, it's it almost sounds like he's freestyling and he just can't stop. You know, <laughs> there's no uh, it there's sounds no backspace like he's button. Trying too hard. Uh, I don't maybe uh, you know yeah like, I could see that so for for certain rhymes he's kind of reaching which look I get it hey, I'm, I'm a songwriter I get it but uh, it it just comes off as a little bit try hard uh, to me but yeah flow wise it's good and and the rhymes are there they just I don't really know what he's <laughs> yep, saying they are there <laughs> they're there there you are you're there 
Christ blessed us with oct- with the octane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? What? Uh, yeah. Any other ones stand out to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I did want to mention that. Um, I hated you for for picking this song until the third verse when he talks about Hanson. And so oh, the yeah. fact that, uh, okay, big expansion that mbopped Hanson and threw off Marilyn Manson up in his mansion. I don't, I'm just, the umbopped Hanson thing actually is pretty good. I like that. But <laughs> the fact that they, that they reference Hanson makes, makes it okay in my book. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull through. I'm not, I'm not angry anymore. Also, <laughs> stepped on the scene in verse three, stepped on the scene at the age of 13, crystal clean, kick it like you never seen. Was this 13-year-old addicted to crystal meth? I was thinking the same thing when I listened to it. Like, he, he, got, he got off of crystal meth at 13. He got clean at 13 from crystal meth. I don't think that's uh, what he's saying. I think it means he was, like, innocent, I guess. But Yeah. yeah. He was he was innocent, stepped out innocent at 13. What was still? So, yeah, what was he doing before 13? You know, probably living in the suburbs. Um. <laughs> so uh, one thing I did want to mention, too, is that, like I said before, the, the Christian aspects seem very like just wedged in, not a part of the song at all, because most of the song is just talking about how great he is. Mm-hmm. And then every now and then he throws it to, to Jesus to, you know, gives him some credit. It's it's not a good song, but I still like it. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to talk about the band itself a little bit. Do you know the meaning behind the name of the band? Um, no. It's not good. It's <laughs> <laughs> The name Thousand Foot Crutch comes from the belief that God is a crutch that you can lean on, even if your problems are a thousand feet high. <laughs> I took the wrong time to take a drink just then. Yeah, it's, I almost it's, spit that everywhere. It's really dumb. <laughs> so God is a crutch. Got it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um, uh. So uh, a little bit of band history. Trevor, they, the, they actually formed in 1995. This album was in 2000. Trevor McNevin, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, formed the band in his home in Petersboro, Ontario. Uh, city northeast northeast of Toronto with his childhood friend Joel Bruyere. Bruyere, <laughs> got it. Uh, and the drummer and drummer Steve Augustine. Um, their Augustine. first band was actually <laughs> their first band was actually called Oddball. How was that spelled? <laughs> what they spelled <laughs> Crutch with a K. That's true. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought you were making fun of my. Trying to read names that I haven't seen before. <laughs> I could see why you would think that. Uh, the the oddball actually it featured Dave Smith on guitar, Tim Baxter on bass, and uh, McNevin's good friend Neil Sanderson. Does that ring a bell? Mm, not off the top of my head. The drummer for Three Days Grace. Oh, okay. Was originally with this band and uh, left before this album. Man, I bet that guy's <laughs> thankful every day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess it, uh, we, and we've seen this before where like, especially like with Striper and I know that there's other bands that will hit that do this. They start off as just a band and then people leave because the leaders of the band want to turn it into a Christian band. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but yeah, Three Days Grace. I wouldn't have. I would have never guessed. So yeah, uh, McNevin has written and released seven albums with the band, uh, as well as four with his side project FM Static. And they, I think they've had they've had a bunch of albums because they've also done uh, studio albums, live albums, remixes. So I think there's like close to twenty total. And wow. they, as of twenty, what was that year? Twenty twenty two. I think it was either this year or twenty twenty. They they've been on hiatus. So, but they were together for a long time and still technically not broken up. And at one point, uh, they, they were known for doing like 200 concerts a year, which I thought is pretty impressive. So they really liked performing live, I guess, which you can kind of tell because they have really high energy with, with their music. So would you say they're on hiatus or they're, uh, deconcrutching? All right, please edit that out. Nope. Yeah, I'm not going to laugh. I'm going to make you sit in it. That was not good. That was pretty fucking great, man. I'm not going to I'm not going to reward that behavior with even ironic laughter. <laughs> so yeah, I knew I wouldn't have a whole lot to talk about this song cuz it's pretty bad, but still great. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this one? Um Oh wait, no, I'm not done yet. But take take, take your final thoughts and I'll do one more thing. Well, the the very last line of the song, of the third verse, man, for real, though, <laughs> stepping on sneakers with steel toes. Um, What? What yeah. does that mean? Well, I mean, I guess I get what it means, but why, why did you put that in this song? Yeah, again, it, it is kind of typical of the, of the Christian genre where they're just saying stuff that sounds good until you think about it. <laughs> so, um... We are going to do something that is quickly becoming a fan favorite. We're going to read comments from YouTube of the song. Yes. Kanonger Edis Edoxil, five years ago, uh, wrote, Love the song, didn't know it was originally by EMF until today. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that poor person. Discordia Matrix. Should I say the names? That's probably not a good idea. 11 years ago. Oh, uh, man, this, I would. <laughs> this this song is awesome. Makes me want to rap it. I think I'll make a video of that one day. Okay. That How was many? 11 years ago. <laughs> what are the... Uh, uh, did you go to their profile? <laughs> no, I'm going to... I should. Uh, oh, my God. What if... What if... What if he did it? Uh, <laughs> Miranda Steele. One funny thing is, before I saw ever saw the lyrics, I used to think he said, shout out to Jay-Z. <laughs> he rizzled from the tizzle that was right. that's snoop dog all right no it's not are you kidding me cj the izzle thing is from snoop dog and i'm the whitest person you know fine uh nicole of uh, late lacy nicole ha 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 i'm high as fuck listening to dis ha 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 fuck yeah <laughs> Thousand, <laughs> thousand. I'm not even to the best part yet. I'm gonna start over. Ha 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 ha. I'm high as fuck listening to this. Ha ha ha. Fuck yeah. Thousand foot crutch stole my peanut butter. <laughs> they're so, <laughs> they're so unbelievable. All caps. Open wide open mouth emoticon, not emoji. <laughs> I stole my peanut butter. 
Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're, we're going to take a quick break so CJ can catch his breath. <laughs> Let you guys marinate on that one a little bit. Uh... <laughs> I'm laughing at you now, not the comment. <laughs> I'm fucking crying, man. <laughs> oh, damn it. <sighs> All right, we'll, we'll see you guys back here in just a sec. Welcome back, neighbors. So, we're going to try out a new mini game. I feel like this one's going to have a little more legs in it than some of the other ones. Maybe it won't be a one-off one. We'll see how it goes, though, Luke. Luke has no idea what he's about to get himself into, but hopefully this will be kind of fun. So we're going to play a game called, well, it's a working title, Prophesy. <laughs> All now, right. this is where one of us is going to read reviews of some form of Christian media. And the other person has to try to guess what it is. So these reviews are not going to be super specific. Or if they are, I've taken out any kind of words that might give it away, at least initially. So this particular re these particular reviews are going to be from a song. Okay, so you know it's going to be a song. You know the song, Luke. Like, you've, you've heard the yeah. song for sure. So here's a five-star review on uh, Amazon.com. The song is so tender and gentle, and at the same time, so powerful, that I recommend listening to it as a wonderful contemplation of the reality of being with Jesus someday. Oh, I know what this is already. Next review. This is a three-star review. I first heard this song at my church, and a teenage girl sang, sang it. The way she sang it is much better than this version. <laughs> I was disappointed by this version, but I do love the song, so that's why I gave it three stars. And here's your last review, last clue. You do said I you already bonus, knew what it yeah, was. Do I get bonus points for knowing it before I hear all the clues? No. Okay. And this is a one-star review. Yeah, you can only imagine because it's BS. Christian crap has no place in my playlist, nor should it even be recommended to me. Faith and music are separate. <laughs> what? That, that's in the, that's yeah. in the review, that last line? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So yeah, obviously it's I can only imagine. By Casting Crowns. What? Are you joking? No, Casting Crowns did I can only imagine. Maybe they covered it. Really? That's the only version I ever knew. Like they they're the ones who made it popular. No. <laughs> Are you messing with me? No. I had the Snoop Dogg snafu. And oh, I thought you, you were about to the, say. I thought you were about to say Snoop Dogg wrote it. And now you have the Mercy Me mess up. Oh man, you're so they're so they're so close to the same thing, to the same band. It should like they might as well be the same band. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah, wow. Why did it? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm glad I don't know the answer to that. Well, 
We're going to uh, go to our next segment, which is our secular song of the week. CJ, I hope you picked a better one than I did. <laughs> I think I did. So, like always, I, this was one of those that I knew I wanted to do a song by this artist, but choosing just one song was was kind of tough. It always is when it's, it's someone that you really like and you, you want to do them justice in some way. So, the song I chose is Rings by Aesop Rock. Ooh, wow, we both picked rap songs. That's funny. I know. that. That's what I was going to say. Ooh, white, the, white rappers, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say with uh, when we were listening to Thousand Foot Crutch, but I was like, oh, I'll, I'll save it. But it wow. is kind of crazy how we, we keep do that, something. and we're not yeah. trying to do it. We, we literally... We've said it before, but it bears repeating. Like we do not know what the other person is, what song the other person is bringing until they say it, like in the moment. Yeah. So it's just fun. There, how there may they line there, up we have like some that. ideas of doing some planned songs where we, we yeah we, mm -hmm. we tagged like we'll do a tandem thing where a secular song and a Christian song are very closely related, either in title or theme, and then we'll actually have you know discussions on that. But we'll tell you when that happens. But typically, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, so we're going to listen to Aesop Rock, the song Rings, and I just want to give everyone an assignment. I want you to pay attention to the lyrics and really soak everything in, but here's a, here's a really fun assignment. See if you can count how many times he uses the long U sound, ooh, in this song, because it's I lose count every assignment. time. Yes, I lose count every time, and it is, it's got to be an insane amount, but... Listen to the song, and we'll meet you guys back here in just a few. All right, welcome back, everyone. You just listened to Rings by Aesop Rock. Luke, I know you've heard this song before, man, but uh, yeah. what's going through your head right now? Well, I'm ashamed of the song that I picked, <laughs> and I'm ashamed that I said I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with like in Thousand yeah, Foot Crutch. Yeah, well, there's a little bit wrong with it. Um, yeah, well. But yeah, man, this, it has a, some a lot of the elements that I mentioned in the last song about flow and rhyme scheme, but it makes sense and it's way more clever. It's way more deep and interesting and honest and real. It's not just superficial fluff that... That we say so often about the Christian songs. Uh, this this is you know more of a spiritual song to me than most Christian songs. Well, and and what's what's so interesting about this is if you were into the visual arts, mm -hmm. this song has got to be just like candy because he the the references to the visual arts in this song are just absolutely insane, and uh, that's because. Uh, Aesop was an, a visual artist for a long time before he actually became a rapper, uh, or at least became known for being a rapper. And so he knows a lot about drawing and painting. And so he's just, the lyricism is, uh, it's, it's, he's one of the best out there. I mean, I'm not mm. going to say he's the best. I know that's controversial to put a superlative and on, yeah, it's on something like that. Yeah. Right. But I mean, there's no denying that he's talented. How many people are using references like oozing a brand new cuneiform, barely commune with the horde, got a whole grayscale ungluing his world? I, that's like who's who's using that Might terminology? Might out to the yap of the magpie. That that's, that line stood out to me. It's just like you're 
Yeah, you're just you're in a space where you don't really know what to do other than just sit, you know, and you hear a bird, and then that's for some reason that's all you can focus on at that at that moment. And next thing you know, it's been half an hour, and yeah, man, this is there's so much here. I don't even know where to start. So this was the first single on Aesop Rock's seventh studio album, which was uh, 2016's "The Impossible Kid." So the beginning of this song is really interesting to me. And the thing that I love the most about Aesop Rock is I get something different every time I listen to his songs. Like, And I've listened to this song numerous times. I'd say I'd put a number on it, but it would probably not be. Uh, it would probably be under shooting it. But I've never really thought about at the very beginning when the beat kicks in and you've got that voice, that vocal sample saying what you're going to do. And it's kind of the, the scratching, uh, the record scratching that really, given the context of the song, it's, it's kind of, it's almost haunting, right? What, what are you going to do? Are you going to follow your passions when you're given the opportunity or are you going to kind of let those things fall by the wayside? And I, I don't know, it, it was, I don't even have notes on that. I just, it was something that came to me when we were listening to it just now, the, that whole, what you going to do? What, what are you going to do with the, with your passions and with your talents and the things that you want to pursue? Are you going to pursue those things or are you going to let fear kind of grip you and, and hold you back from doing what you really want to do? So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I create things. So I, I, this, this song, I don't know if I've heard this song since I started doing like pottery and, and stuff. Um, definitely not since I started doing woodworking. Uh, I need to listen to him more, man. Cause yeah, the hard to admit that I used to draw, I used to draw yeah. <laughs> and it sucks that I don't still do it. I am planning on taking, um, a drawing class at a, at a college out here because it's the fundamental to pretty much every other visual art out there. So I need to start with that. <clears throat> and all the, the ceramics classes fill up quick too, it seems, but yeah, it's man. It, like, I, this is what I was saying when, about how honest and real it is because yeah it's you don't ever i never really thought too much about like putting words to how i felt about it but yeah it's hard to admit that i used to draw because if i had just stuck with it i would probably be really good by now right um and i love his because that was like that was like nine years ago so i mean i would have had that would have nine years under me of of drawing practice and i wasn't bad back then either you know i was uh, yeah i really like the the vocal the vocal (laughs) intonation on those lines at the beginning of each verse where he says, used to draw, hard to admit that I used to draw. Like he, mm-hmm. it's, he sounds angry. He sounds maybe a little, well, he, he definitely sounds regretful. I think this song is, a, is about those regrets and about how good those, those things, drawing and painting made him feel. And he chose not to pursue those things. Just saying hard to admit that I used to draw is it's it's heartbreaking i mean right off the bat yeah and he spends so much of the verses describing the the act of drawing right and the this this line and we there we can't possibly pick apart every line in this song there's just too much but um in that first verse he says you can't imagine the rush that ensue when you get three dimensions stuffed into two um, oh it's, God. I missed that, but, one. but he's, he's talking yeah. about the, the rush, right? The, that feeling, it's almost like a drug that you get when mm-hmm. you put 
pen to paper or charcoal to, to paper or paint to canvas or your hands to the clay, right? Um, my, my hands to a guitar, there's, there's no better feeling than when you just know that you nailed something and mm-hmm. you're doing what you love. In the second verse, he says, you can't imagine the stars that align when a forearm starts foreshortening right or a torso hung on a warping spine in proportion reads as warm and alive. He's <laughs> it's the stars are aligning, right? The rush he's getting a rush. It's all those endorphins and those things that make us happy and, and show us that we have purpose are really coming forth. And it's it's not a super happy song, though. It really isn't. But no, because you stopped right before it got really sad. <laughs> I'm reading now. Routine day with a dirt cheap brush. Then a week goes by and it goes untouched. Then two, then three, then a month. And the rest of your life, you beat yourself up. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it, oh the song God. is about regret, right? It, and it's deeper than that. There's more there's more elements at play. But yeah, I I let my fears materialize. I let my skills oh, yeah. deteriorate. I mean, it's so good. And it if you've ever, I shouldn't say if you've ever, we've all had dreams and aspirations and things that we wanted to do, right? I mean, for me, uh, from an early age, it was like, I want to be a rock star. I want to be a, a musician who makes it big and gets signed to a label and goes on tour and all this stuff. There's a song about that, by the way. <laughs> and... um yeah, it's by Nickelback. And I... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm so funny you got that. <laughs> or or if your dream is to become a doctor, right? It doesn't have to be performing arts or anything like that. But I think what happens is when we're kids or when we're young adults, we have all these dreams and we have these things that we want to do with our lives. And we want to make a a living doing the things that give us that rush that align the stars for us. Right. And if you're really honing that craft and you're really on board with trying to make that work for, for you as a, as a vocation, a career, a job, whatever you want to call it, a calling, like what's stopping you, what's stopping you from doing it. I mean, Ace here is saying uh, my fears materialize. I let, I let my fears materialize, right? The fear that maybe you're, you're not good enough that you're yeah. not talented enough. The fear of success, I think, is a real thing, too. Like, the fear of being good because of the attention. And I think a know, lot like, of artists are like that, right? I, I think the, any kind of artist, not just visual artists, it could be performing arts. I, I feel like a lot of people are, they they know that they're good at what they do, but they're still not quite willing to say, yeah, I'm I'm good at what I do and I'm trying to get better every day, but I already know that I'm at the top of my game, but I want to continue to grow and continue to be good. Usually it's kind of more in line with, (laughs) well, I think I'm good. Um, I'm really, I really try hard and I work hard. Uh, Artists tend to be a little bit more self-conscious and reserved in that respect. Typically speaking, I mean, I know plenty of artists that are like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm an amazing guitar player and I know it. And that's great to have that confidence, but yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's I I don't know if if this is was is what he meant by this or if he if he realized this or or what, but it is interesting that he's talking about a creative art where he's creating, but then he stops because his fears materialize. It's as if 
his you know the creation shifted from his art to fear like it something something else was being created as one as the other disappeared hmm yeah he created he created those fears yeah his creation shifted from his his arts to him he he was creating those fears then i don't know just it's something that came to my mind uh i i it sounds like i'm trying to be deep but i mean i that's just kind of how i saw it you know because it's almost like the conservation of of energy and mass like you know nothing can be created or destroyed and so if if you're not creating anything anymore and you were doing that then something else is being created and it seems like it for him it was some sort of fear well yeah the in the, the at the end of the second verse there eating up his innards and unfeasible anxiety right so he's <laughs> I let my person curl up and die. He knows. And there, there went my voice again, you guys. Um, he knows, right? He's the the prospect of of doing this for a living is kind of eating him alive. And yeah, I, well, it's hard because if you're and you know this because to to create something and to want to be able to not have to work for somebody else and, and provide for yourself by the things that you make, you have to sell yourself and that's hard to do unless you're nar- narcissistic, right? <laughs> it, it's, you have to talk highly of yourself to other people. Imagine that, you know, right? <laughs> like it, it's, it's a hard thing to do. And, you know, and yeah, it, it's something that I struggle with. I, tend to like to to point out the flaws and stuff because i don't want them to think that i don't notice those flaws i want them to think that like oh i know that i'm not as good as as other people but no one ever no one ever sees those flaws so why am i pointing them out and the fact that something is handmade there's gonna be flaws right you know even even master woodworkers and master potters they they still have flaws and that's but that's it's a it's a feature not a bug yeah which yeah. kind of goes in line with with what he says uh, again at the end of the second verse, aligning with the trials of the anti Midas. Okay, so what do we know about the god Midas? Um, he uh, made tires for a grateful nation. <laughs> for a grateful nation. <laughs> <laughs> or not? He's not a oh Midas, oh sorry, the other Midas, Midas is not a the the god. The guy that touched things. Yeah, he was gold. a king. Not he was rubber. a king, not a god. Sorry, but yeah, he turned. Well, people, a lot of people thought god kings were gods. Any so. anything he touched, yeah, anything Midas touched would turn to gold, right? So he's calling himself the anti-Midas. So he already feels like he's not good enough. Um, a few tracks later on, the Impossible Kid, uh, the the album, the Impossible Kid, he actually references this again, but he phrases it differently he says watch the impossible kid everything that he touched turns promptly to shit and so hmm. he's really in his feelings right I, he's he's i was i was really about to ask you what the opposite of gold was and in my mind i was going to say that it was shit <laughs> there you go uh yeah it, everything you touch turns to rust or or whatever whatever the opposite of of gold is that you want to say but um so I wanted to just give a quick little aside here, something that I found. I found this a while back, and it wasn't surprising, but I just thought it was super interesting. Matt Daniels, uh, I guess he's some type of statistician or something. He conducted a study 
of rappers. And what he did was he took the first 35,000 words that a rapper uses. And he did this for, for dozens of rappers. And so he took their first 35,000 words and he tried to find who had the most unique words in their first 35,000 wrapped words. So Aesop Rock had 7,879 unique words out of his first 35,000 words. Now, for reference, so 7,800, almost 7,900 unique words. For reference, that's like, that's only like, that's like twice the amount of total words. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. That's really, that's a really high percentage of unique words. So for reference, here's some mainstream rappers' names and their numbers. And we'll go in ascending order here. Ooh, let's throw some shade. DMX, oh, no. 2,936. RIP. Yeah, RIP DMX. So DMX had 2,900 unique words. Drake, 3,347 unique words. Okay, more than DMX. Kanye West, 3,760 unique words. Snoop Dogg, we've already mentioned Snoop, Snoop a loop. 3,797 unique words. Snoop-a-loop? Yeah. And <laughs> lastly, we'll just mention Eminem. Oh. 4,480 unique words. So it's not even close. It's not yeah. even close. He's far, like he was. Even like Kanye and Eminem, you would think would be high and they are high compared to others, but not. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, those, those numbers, Eminem's a little bit toward the the higher end you know outside of Aesop but uh, actually recently uh, maybe a year or two ago Micah 9 uh, a rapper he overtook the number one spot from from Aesop Rock but uh, just barely I, I didn't write his number down but it was only uh, may, it was less than a hundred more unique words than hmm. than uh, than Aesop Rock but yeah I just does thought he that have that like a program that he uses to do that because how did like how does he do that so I, yeah, he has to have some kind of some kind of AI, some kind of algorithm he uses. Because I'd want to see like Logic and uh, Childish Gambino. And- uh, Logic and Childish are lower on the. They're they're pretty low. Really? Yeah. Really? Which that okay. that actually did surprise me because they both you know they they tend to rap pretty fast on some of their stuff, and so you just kind of and assume. about deeper subjects. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. so. Uh, I didn't write their total to their totals down, but I did notice them on the chart on the graph, and uh, they were in the bottom half of of uh, word count. So, YouTube comments. Here we go. So this is YouTube comments for the song "Rings." Rogue Planet says, "Conversation." No, I said Aesop Rock, not ASAP Rocky. <laughs> I've had this conversation with people. <laughs> like, yeah, Aesop Rock. T- have you heard of Aesop Rock? Oh, you mean Aesop Rocky? No. Rocky? No. No, that's not what that's not what I said. Every time I, I recommend Aesop Rock to someone, which is actually fairly often, they I mean, it never fails that some that people will say, Wait, ASAP Rocky? You listen to ASAP Rocky? I'm like, no, that's not I actually like ASAP Rocky too, but uh no, I'm talking about Aesop Rock. Who's been around before ASAP Rocky was even born? Um, <laughs> let's see. Ernie Vega, his comment says, This song is the reason I went back to school for music. That's pretty wholesome. Yeah. Um, 
and and it should be it should be the reason like if you really listen to this song and you have had that kind of passion and you stepped away from it this is something to light a fire underneath you you know yeah uh and lastly steezy boy all day says (laughs) (laughs) i I had no idea he was a white dude but not like it even matters (laughs) shit's dope (laughs) what's so funny to me is i have a former co-worker who never listened to rap until we started working together and then he slowly started finding uh rap artists that he liked and it, after after a few artists of, of noticing that he was playing uh at work i was like hey travis it seems like you only like white rappers <laughs> he was like oh no <laughs> oh no and then i suggested asap asap rock and he was like I like it, but I don't want to get into it because it's just another white rapper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was so funny. But yes, good old Aesop Rock. Love that guy. And uh, y'all definitely check him out. I I would say that if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to one of his albums like starting out, just because he really is visually intense with with the metaphors and the imagery that he uses. And and look, this is the type of rapper where most songs you have to have a thesaurus open, mm-hmm. you know, as he's rapping because you're like, what the fuck? Does or that a, word or mean? a dictionary because that would be more helpful than a thesaurus. Yeah, well, you know what? They're both <laughs> very helpful. Um, but yeah, he. It's almost like you do need like some type of reference because of some of the words and you need footnotes and commentary. And, and, I, and look, I can understand someone who uh, because I know there are people out there that think he's pretentious that he's rapping this way because he's trying to be different or trying to sound smart or whatever and that's fine i I mean i never got that no i never really get that that feeling from him but i definitely can understand why people would feel that way about it and but my point being if you're gonna start with one of his records i would recommend this record the impossible kid and the reason why is because he's still using a lot of obviously um, deep and uh, and vivid imagery, but it's easier to understand. This album as a whole is is a lot easier to understand. I feel the like the production seems more polished, which is not you know I don't mean that as a bad thing. Sometimes overproduction can be a bad, but right, yeah, no, it's, it's a it's really really it's well really produced, clean and crisp, mm-hmm, but also mm-hmm. dark and and he talks a lot about he talks about uh, his one of his best friends dying and he's in therapy because of it, and he talks about. Uh, memories from when he was a kid at his brother's uh, base, you know, t-ball game. And it's just, it's really warm and for the most part, uh, really insightful into memory and regrets and uh, thinking about what ifs and how things could have been. And it's just a really good record. And he, there's a song on the impossible kid. That's just about his cat. I mean, it's literally about his cat uh, named Kirby. So y'all check Aesop rock out more. If you have, yeah, it's, that's surprising to me that people think he's being pretentious. It just, it seems way more, it seems too honest to be pretentious. I thousand for crutch was being pretentious. Like, they were forced to yeah they they were trying to be clever it just seems like this guy oozes 
you know, cleverness and creativity, and he just can't help but write that way. And I guess I can kind of bash those people who think that, you know, they they must just not want to really pay attention and think about what he's saying. And I and I get that too. I understand that, but it's kind of like, look, you know, sometimes music really does require your full attention for you to get the most out of it. You can say, oh, like, oh, yo, these beats are really good, and and the production is great, and he's got a good flow. But you're not necessarily concerned with the lyrics. But if you really want to get as much out of this type of artist as you can, you do have to pay attention to the lyrics. And I know that some people just aren't lyrics people, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm not um, typically right, right, and that and that's okay. But and this this podcast is helping me get to be more like that. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it's so it's it's interesting to me still. I I, I can't get over the fact that people are saying this is pretentious because it. <laughs> I started feeling like an adult whenever I started using big words just naturally in conversation. And uh, a few years ago, something happened when I was at work and I wasn't even like, it was just a casual thing that happened. And I was like, oh man, that looks opaque. And the guy next to me is like, all right, using these big words and shit. I'm like, it's five letters. And he was like, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. six letters, but yeah. Six. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) See, it's a I'm not trying word. to be clever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, it makes me think that people who just don't try are the ones who are mad. About yeah, I other think people that's trying. a lot of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, by the way, uh, 295 unique words, 295 unique words. So just a little bit more than Thousand Foot Crutches song. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and I did look up the total word count because I, the, the point I was trying to make, which we which I made in the in the thousand foot crutch segment was that with rap music, typically like good, good rap music, there's a lower discrepancy between the unique words and the total word count because rap is it's the flow and the way that it's engineered is to be, is to push the limits and to try to rhyme in different ways with different words. And so with Aesop, you have this song that's basically the, the total word count is like double what the unique word count is. And then also with thousand foot crutch the same way versus these pop structure songs, praise and worship songs, five, six, seven times the amount of unique words uh, in the, in the total word count. So it's just an interesting contrast, this discrepancy between the different genres of, of music. Yeah. All right. Before we go, I have another game for Luke to play. It's our normal segment called Jesus or Jessica. So I'm going to give Luke some lyrics. It's either going to be talking about Jesus or it's going to be talking about a relationship with, not with Jesus, with a person that actually exists. Sorry. Okay. Just Je- um, Jessica. It's Jessica. You can say her name. You already said it. <laughs> All right, Luke, you ready for the lyrics, bud? Uh, I'm pretty confident with my, my record under okay. my belt. Okay. So cool. I like it. I like the confidence. Here you go. I hear you softly speaking secrets that enclose words that softly linger with sweet repose. Wow, it's longer than you normally go with those lyrics. Um, one, one more time, please. I hear you softly speaking secrets that enclose words that softly linger with sweet repose. I'm going to go Jessica. 
wrong. What? <laughs> oh, I think that's the second one I've gotten wrong. Yeah, this is a this is a song by uh, Josh White and Josh Garrels called oh. "Enclosed by You." We actually did a song with Josh yeah, for by jo- Josh, by Josh Garrels. Yeah. It was in episode seven. There's lots of Italians in Canada. That was the yeah. episode we did a Josh Garrels song in. So yeah, it's it's a really pretty song. It's really well done. Definitely lovey dovey. I've always been not confident and gotten it right. And then now when I'm confident, I get it wrong. (laughs) Typical me. All right. Before we go, we just want to shout out our email address, praiseandbroshippodcast at gmail.com. Also, when you listen to this episode, we will have social media up and running. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. I'm going to insert the names of those in the uh, episode post because I can't remember what they're called unless you want to talk got, in my we've ear, got Jackie. Facebook. <laughs> we've got we've got a, a TikTok, maybe? Eventually. Eventually. We'll, yeah. And like I said earlier, we have the Praise and Broship playlist on Spotify for yeah, all and, of the songs that we have done so far. And I will link all of those in the show notes, all of our social media email address and as well as our Spotify playlist with all of our songs up to date, you guys can click on those and find us all across the internet. And please remember to love your neighbor as yourself. Bye, guys. Bye. Um, the, we'll add out this dead air or you probably won't. You'll put it in at the end. Won't you? No. Uh, Bye. (laughs) CJ's dead. I I would think we would get canceled by the religious establishment before anything else. Those snowflakes. (laughs) Bam.